Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited about today's episode of We Gotta Talk. We have someone here who is going to, is it overselling it, Afia, to say you're going to help us bring our dreams to life? (laughs) Not overselling it at all. Okay, great. Obsessed with your accent. I know Americans are so tiresome when we say this, but it just immediately makes you sound just, I don't know. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. You're in Australia now, but you're not originally from Australia. Tell everybody your backstory, where you're from. So I'm actually from Scotland, but I moved to Australia in 2016. And in my mind, I was just going to come over here for a year. I'd just done six years of studying and I was like, you know, I want some time out. And then I've been here for six years now. So a year very quickly escalated. Wait, Scotland to Australia? First of all, I have very romanticized versions of both of those in my head. But that feels like that's like one climate to the polar opposite. Is that true? Well, you know, that's what I thought as well. But living in Melbourne, the weather can be pretty similar to Scotland sometimes. And it's really inconsistent. So even if it's summer, it can be like 30 degrees one day, 16 degrees the next day. And there's there's no real consistency. But it is overall still warmer than Scotland. And there's no snow, which is more than I can ask for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure you're ready for that change. Um, I love your backstory. So, you know, as someone who is a storyteller and a journalist by nature, you know, we spend years of our careers really defining what's sort of newsworthy and noteworthy by, I mean, the backstory, right? The story behind the person or the service service that's being offered. And when I came across your information and um, I connected with your team, I just really found um, how you got to be, um, I'm calling you a manifestation expert, but you can correct the title if you prefer, but how you came to be where you are is just very compelling. Can you walk us back to, we know where you are now, but how it all started? Yeah, so for me, my story really began, I guess, when when I was a kid and I was in the foster care system until I was age three. And at that point, I was adopted and my sister and I, I would say, I had pretty much a very normal life. And and for me, I didn't really feel that different from everyone else growing up to begin with. But when I was 14, unfortunately, my mom passed away after a long struggle with illness. And it really led to, I would say from 10 onwards, I really didn't have that much of a childhood. I grew up extremely quickly because my mom was sick. So we almost took on the like caring role for my parent. And then also all the kind of worry and fear that comes along with having a parent that's sick as well. And things really went downhill from there, from my mom passing away, which was unexpected. And although when someone is ill for a long time, I think you just get used to them being ill and you don't actually think, oh, this means like one day they're going to be gone. It just was for us was like, oh, our mom is always sick. Um, so it was definitely a real shock when my mom passed away. And um, because my mom was a single parent, a single adoptive parent, that meant that my sister, my brother and I were faced with going back into the care system at that age. And luckily that isn't what happened. And we had a family friend who ended up taking my sister and I in and we stayed with her until we went to university. But those years from 14 to 16, I experienced a lot of grief and loss from my mom passing away. And then six months later, my grand passed away. And then a year after that, my friend at school passed away. And so all I had seen around me was 
things don't work out and anything can change in an instant. And what people would see on the outside is like, oh, if he is so hardworking, oh, she's like getting all of these good grades. But for me, what was happening inside is like, I can't fail because I don't have a backup plan. Afia, first of all, my uh, my heart breaks for your younger self. And I know we all experience trauma to a, a degree, but that seems to be a, an objectively unfair amount of trauma for a child from, from the very beginning for you. I, I just find it astounding that you're able to be one of those people who like goes back and finds the lesson. Um, if you don't mind sharing with, with us, because um, I just want to touch on this part of your story more to maybe illuminate this for people who might be going through it. Uh, what, what did you do even, even as a child to manage some of that stress? Did you find that you were always drawn toward, I mean, you clearly had to be a caretaker, like you said, so you were already in an adult role, but did you have some level of, you know, like responsibility that was just uncommon for your age? Or do you feel like because of who you are, do you feel like you just rose to that because of the occasion? Um, I think at the time definitely rose to it and didn't see how much of an impact it was having. But now I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't really have that much of a childhood in my teenage years because I was just like, so stressed and focusing on keeping it all together and I remember one time it was the weekend and all my friends were like planning what they were going to do in the weekend and I was getting home from school and we had to we lived in a really rural area so I had to like run back up like quickly get changed quickly grab our stuff and then run back down to get the bus to the hospital and it was actually three buses that we had to get to the hospital to go see my mom for the weekend we'd have a sleepover in the hospital at the weekend and then come back and then go to school on Monday as if like nothing had happened. Oh my gosh. I mean, did you at that age know to ask the question why and this isn't fair or did you just get through? No, at that age it was just about, it was just getting through. And I think when you have people relying on you, you know, my mom and also my little brother, he was three at that age. So when you have other people who are depending and relying on you, I don't think you have much time to think or really consider your own needs. Wait, what do you think was the lesson you took from that experience in particular um, that transformed you into the person and drew you to what you do today? Because what you do now is very forward looking. It's very positive in nature. And your whole vibe, even which I love online and, and on your social channel is very uplifting. And I am you know, very, it's just a very, you would look at you and say, oh my goodness, she's gorgeous. She's got her life together. Surely it was an easy road and you, it hasn't been clearly. So what lesson did you take from that point in your life that adult Afia is utilizing even to today? When you're so used to looking after other people, it becomes very challenging to then ask for help yourself. And so I did really struggle with that. And then the older I got, I had to kind of reteach myself that it was okay to ask for help and to let myself be supported by other people. So teachers, mentors, my friend's mom, those people in my life made so much difference in my life and seeing that kind of role that a mentor can have. And also the kind of unique role that a coach has in your life as well, because your friends they're biased and they have your best interests at heart and sometimes to a fault because they just want to like, you know, protect you and say what you want to hear. And sometimes we're not always going to have entirely honest conversations with our friends and we can't expect that much from them as well. Whereas in a coaching relationship or in a mentorship relationship, it's just, there's no BS there. Right. And it's holding you to a bit of a higher standard. And I'm so grateful for the people that 
push me to be the best that I could be and to also just be vulnerable and to really connect with myself on a deeper level and in doing the work that I do that's one of the things that excites me most yeah who was your coach who was your transformative person Oh, I have so many people. I think the first person that really stands out to me is my history teacher back when I was 14. And it was my first birthday after my mom had passed away. And birthdays are birthdays, Christmases, Mother's Days, Father's Days. These are challenging days for me still to this day. And I'm 28. And I walked into the history classroom after the, my mom had passed away. And my teacher had written on the board, happy birthday, Fia. And she made me this birthday card, like, glued these little balloons on like a paper card that she'd handmade and it just meant so much to me that someone would like pick up on, on something that was like deeply personal to me and take it upon themselves to like do something and she didn't you know she didn't have to do that she didn't owe me anything and I actually still have that birthday card today and it, it really meant a great deal to me oh my goodness do you have before we get into the manifestation edit which is your podcast and the work you do coaching and working both in groups and one-on-one -on -one with people I any any advice you have for people who are counseling someone through a hard time? I personally know foster parents and I know people who have um, been in been in that role or people that just generally have been around people who suffered trauma recently. The past two years have been incredibly difficult for a lot of people. Uh, what advice do you have for people who want to help someone who might be having experiencing some trauma? I think there is a fear of saying the right or wrong thing and not knowing what to say. And I don't think that there necessarily is a right thing to say to someone who is going through grief or incredible trauma. But what is helpful is rather than asking, like, how can I be there for you or how can I support you is like offering some suggestions that someone could choose from. And that takes like kind of the thinking process out. And you're like, oh, actually, now that they've mentioned this as something that they would potentially offer, that is something I could do with some help with. Because you also don't want to put anyone out. So although all your friends are like, oh, I'm here. Like, if you just if you need me, just check in. You also don't want to be the one to reach out. Like, you don't have the capacity to, to think of, of where more than where your head is at in the moment. So offering those specific things, can I bring you dinner tonight or can I bring over a movie for us? Like being as specific as possible, kind of doing that mental work for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's talk about manifestation. Gosh, Afia, this is like such a complex concept to me. We've talked a little bit about it on um, We Gotta Talk before in just sort of very broad brushstroke ways. It is a concept that I think people can look at and either immediately buy into or immediately roll their eyes and say, my gosh, of course, this can't be possible. Tell us your approach. First of all, how you define manifestation and what your particular approach to this method is. I think we can overcomplicate a lot of things subconsciously. Maybe we're not even aware of it. And manifestation has become one of those things that's either been it goes in two extremes. Either it's been massively oversimplified or at the other end, people are like, oh my God, this is so confusing. I don't actually know like what this is or how to do it. And for me, the way that I see manifestation is the process of bringing something into your physical reality. So something you can see, feel, touch, experience. And so what I like to think of it is just a process of you think of something and for example, let's say, say I want to get an ice cream that could just stay a wish and a hope of something I would like to have happen. But everything that happens in between me thinking, oh, it would be nice to have an ice cream to like physically holding that ice cream in my hand, whether that's believing like, yeah, you know what it is possible for me to buy an ice cream to, oh, I have the money I need to buy an ice cream to going to the shop to get an ice cream, all of those parts in between 
our manifestation. So it's not that anyone needs to learn how to start manifesting because we're all manifesting all the time. It's about how can I bring more of a conscious awareness to bring in more of the things I actually want into my life. How are we all manifesting all the time? That's very interesting to me. Yeah, everything in, in our lives we have manifested into our realities. Like everything we have is a result of manifesting it. Okay, so here's my question about that. Because I am I defining things differently? Sometimes people look back and say, okay, well, the result, my, my job is the result of hard work. A lot of years spent studying at school and interning. Um, is is it different? Is manifestation different in some way? Were we or were we or all of that work that we put in is just sort of doubly defined as manifestation. You know what I mean? Yes. Manifestation is action as well, which I think a lot of people confuse them as being separate. But mm -hmm. part of manifestation is the action to actually ensure things happen. So yes, you got your job because of hard work and hard work is involved in manifesting as well. I don't think it's an either or. It is an and conversation. So what does someone who is manifesting, who is practicing that concept of sort of opening themselves up to whether it be greater success or happiness or ice cream, or, you know, whatever, whatever we're trying to bring into our lives, what are they doing differently than the person who is just working, who is just counting on the hard work and the logic of it all? So in, in my opinion, manifestation is a combination of both the logic and the emotional as well. So that's not to say that there isn't going to be strategy and action involved in manifestation. But what that person may be doing differently, who has more of a spiritual and emotional connection, is taking more time to connect with their higher self, maybe doing more of the shadow work. So that's working through living beliefs, challenges, fears, even traumas in a deeper level, and also the level of intentionality and commitment that we're bringing to our process. Those are things that can be different from rather just like working through things. And I think also it's the idea that life isn't just happening to you, life is happening for you because you're bringing a conscious awareness to how you actually want your life to happen and taking a front seat in your own life. How can someone who is experiencing um, a, a level of difficulty, whether it be small to large, really change their perspective, do you think, to look at life as happening for them? Um, give me an example of maybe some of the inner dialogues we could have or some of the things we could say, because I, it can be easy to get stuck in the why me or the how did this happen? So how can we pull the lesson and not just sort of find the, the sadness or the tragedy in it? First of all, it's important to honor your feelings and where a lot of shame and guilt can come in is for not actually allowing ourselves to express the emotions that we're feeling. So for example, when I was 14 and my mom passed away, I did not grieve really at that point at all. The very same day, actually, I, I went to school. We learned at midnight and then by 8 a.m. I was getting on the school bus going to school and I wasn't going to tell anyone. And that was because I just just like, I can't allow myself to feel these feelings because then I'm going to fall behind. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to handle these heavy emotions and so in my adult life what I noticed is that difficult emotions that came up I was like I don't actually have space to hold these and I would just push them down rather than actually feeling them and while in the short term that can feel like that's actually a solution what happens in the long term is it ends up coming out in explosive ways and you don't have the capacity for even like the smallest of things so I would get triggered by just like little things happening so 
when you can have honest conversations with yourself about how you're actually feeling, you can allow yourself to feel sadness, frustration, anger. You can allow yourself to feel things outside of the lens of love and light, which is what a lot of people depict manifestation as being. When you can have that entire spectrum, then it takes almost the strength of the in inverted commas negative emotions away because you honor each and every emotion you don't say one thing is more valid than the other love is better than anger or frustration is not as good as something else you know that all of these emotions have importance in your journey and in this human experience right we can't have one thing without the other there is duality in everything so if you are going through a challenging time right now rather than like immediately like this is so uncomfortable i just need to get out of it can you sit in the discomfort? And more than sitting in the discomfort, can you be compassionate to yourself while you're experiencing the discomfort as well? What did your shadow work look like then? And and how did you, to the level you're comfortable sharing, how did you work beyond those things that were, for lack of a better term, sort of clogging you up emotionally? There's a few different ways I've worked through things. I did, I have had experienced therapy in a number of different forms. And to be honest, I didn't find a style that massively resonated with me, but I did pick up little things from therapy that I have incorporated into my life. And that did cause me to shift my perspective. And I think that therapy can be a really great tool when you find someone that you really resonate with, because, you know, you're going to be sharing some deeply personal things with them. So you have to have that deep level of connection with that person. And I think I've only had that like maybe once and the type of therapy, it just wasn't really um, it wasn't really there in terms of what I needed. It was just talk therapy. So I would share like what was on my mind and then she wasn't really allowed to give any feedback on what I was saying. So we'd just be like, okay, yeah, that does sound hard. Um, but no practical solutions on how I could actually take these things and move forward with them. The other thing is just really deepening my intuitive connection and learning what my body needs from me. I also have a chronic illness, endometriosis, and this was undiagnosed for seven years. So I knew something was wrong and I would keep going to doctors and they're like, oh, well, this is just like normal to experience some pain. You're young and all this kind of stuff. So I then began to like gaslight myself about my own pain. And so now I even find myself sometimes today, like going into like, I'll be in like loads of pain. I'm like, oh no, I can't take time off because I've like kind of had this mindset of like, oh, well, if, if no one can see that pain, then it's, it's not as real or maybe it's not as bad as you're imagining it to be. And so we have to kind of undo the belief structures that were never ours to begin with. And in addition to talk therapy, it, that just sort of self-acknowledging of your own issue, physicals, physical and emotional was the biggest step for you. So it was a sort of a combination of both of those. Learning to trust your, your intuition, because I intuitively knew that something was wrong, but I ignored my intuition because other people were telling me that there isn't anything wrong. So building a relationship where I knew that if my intuition is telling me something is off or if my intuition is leading me to somewhere, then I'm going to follow it, even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else. And that can be really challenging to do when we're told to do the opposite, right? We're told to rely on logic or to rely on strategy or Feelings don't matter, but they're the root of everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I wanted to ask you about this in particular. You had um, on your blog, uh, which is um, afiasoldier.com, you have a blog section and you did a post that I've just found really interesting. It's called Stop Asking for a Sign. And it really resonated because someone very close to me just recently spent time in prayer asking for a sign. I've also been in that position and have found myself getting the answer. Um, so talk about the concept of um, 
looking for signs and looking for flags or guideposts for our life? And if it's not that, what might work instead? So while I don't believe in asking for signs, I do believe the universe or, or God or whatever term that you like to use does present us with signs that confirm things. So I don't believe that we should say like, if I'm on the right path, show me this. Or if I'm supposed to do this, show me this. Because secretly, or maybe even not that secretly, like we already know what response we're hoping for. We already know deep down, we're just looking for something or someone to externalize the permission that right. we could be giving to ourselves. So I believe, rather than asking for a sign when you can build a connection with your intuition and also when you can give yourself permission to do the things that you actually want to do that that is far more powerful than waiting for something outside of yourself in order to be able to move forward what do you where do you stand on you know people who are in relationships where there's turbulence or they're praying for a sign that would indicate how the other person is behaving or how the other person feels how do you take that concept when other people are involved because i i do see how that could work really well if you're just looking for your own internal signs and signals but i know so many women who are looking for signs for example to see if their relationship is right and they get confused they confuse their anxiety with their intuition and they're thinking, okay, well, which one is speaking to me? Is this my intuition and knowing that something is fishy or is this my fear that something is wrong coming through? Can you help us distinguish between those? When it comes to relationships, again, the sign is not the same as communication with your partner. At the end of the day, if it feels like something is off in your relationship and you can't have a conversation with your partner about that, I think that speaks in volumes more than the sign would. So it's like if you feel like you can't have a conversation with someone about something, why is that? Do they make you feel unsafe to express your opinions? Have you brought up something in the past and it hasn't gone well? Is it okay for you to stay in a relationship where you can't have those honest communication or do you need to find a new way to have conversations with this person? It's interesting. Yeah. I was literally just talking with a girlfriend about that today and she was like, you know, don't know what to do praying for a sign. And I was like, ah, but tell me what happens next. <laughs> um, I've been in that position as well. Like one of the times I remember asking for a sign, I was with my ex-partner. I was like, if I'm meant to stay in this relationship, then show me a pink balloon. But like in my mind, like in my soul, I knew like, this isn't working out, things aren't working out, but I just like was afraid to admit that to us, to myself. And I think it's the case for, for a lot of people that you're just afraid to, to voice things out loud. So even if you don't want to say it to that other person, you're not ready to say it to a friend, just voice it out loud to you, yourself first and see how that lands. Oh, that's so interesting. You're right. When we give voice to our like deepest fears about things, it's like weirdly freeing, you know, because I talk to myself all the time. Do you really like, do you encourage yourself? Are you like a mirror high fiver or are you like a talk, actually a dialogue, talk yourself through things person? Oh, all of it. Like I'll put in my AirPods when I leave the house and I'm not listening to any music. I'm just like talking to myself the entire time. It just like blocks out the sound of other people that distract me from the riveting conversations I have with myself. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Okay, wait. So is this part of like the way you manifest or is this just generally how you keep track of your, track and tabs of your own feelings? Both. So I am someone who is not a massively visual person. The way that I learn is is not visually. And so I think more about concepts than I do about visuals. So if I have vision boards, I create vision boards. 
but I'm not focusing so much on the picture as like the internal conversation that I'm having. So if I'm thinking of something, I'm planning something, I'm working on manifesting something, for me, a lot of that is going to look like a conversation around this is going to happen, I'm going to feel this way, and then I'm going to do this. And that helps me to really get into the feeling of what it would be like to have that happen now. Oh my gosh, that's a revelation to me. I am not a vision board person, and I want to be. And I have put one together and promptly stuck it in the back of my closet. But I keep hearing all these, you know, amazing stories of people putting things on their boards and them actually happening. And I wondered where the disconnect was for me. Maybe because I wasn't pouring the emotional effort into decoding what those visual signs meant. I don't know, but it wasn't working for me. And I got disappointed, so I stopped. But like you, I'm not a visual person. So that's something I need to remember. So do you don't, you still do vision board, but you just kind of use it as a prompt for that internal dialogue. Yeah, so I actually didn't realize until a couple of years ago, I thought that what I was doing was what everyone was doing. And then my friend's like, yeah, and then you close your eyes and you see the images. And I'm like, I don't see any pictures. And she's like, yeah, that's what everyone does. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that's what we're supposed to be seeing. Oh my gosh, that is, oh my gosh. I talked to my therapist about this before. Yeah, I said, I'm not, I'm a, you know, people are like, oh, I see these. I'm like, I don't see anything. I just feel things all the time. It's almost like I feel like there's a massive disconnect in my brain because like people are like picture your dream office one day, the job you'll be doing. And I'm like, I can't, but I can tell you what it would be like. Use all the words. So that also works. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, we have people who are mainly auditory. We have people who are visual. We have people who are written and Rather than trying to force yourself to be a certain way, why not just work with the style that you have? Right. Tell me the craziest thing that you have manifested or that someone that you've worked closely with has manifested. Oh, so many stories. Um, One fun one for me was when we were in lockdown, I manifested $9,000 of competition prizes um, from holidays, money, food, uh, everything. It's funny because friends will come over to my house and I'm like, Oh yeah, that was that was something that I won. Wait, stop it. Wait, how, now how did this all start? Like what was the beginning of that process? So I had this friend that I'd met through Instagram and she had told me about winning competitions all the time that she entered and won a lot of competitions. And I uh, it, it sat on this for two years and I would send competitions to her, like just competitions on Instagram and you tag someone. Like to win and then, money kind of, or what type of competition? Um, to win anything it can be clothes, money, event tickets, food, all different kinds of things. And she would regularly win quite a lot of these and would tell me stories about it. Uh, and I just saw that as something that she did and other people won, but not really thinking of myself in the picture. And I would even, competitions would come up on my Instagram feed and I would send them to her because I'm like, oh, this is her thing. She enters competitions and wins competitions. And then at the beginning of, I think it was the first lockdown, I had a lot of spare time on my hands. I was like, you know what, why don't I give this a try? Why don't I give this a go? I was like, can you tell me how you're entering and winning all of these competitions? We started entering competitions together. And within the first week, we won our first competition together, which was for a crate of coconut water. I love coconut water. And it was really interesting to see how my mindset shifted because it suddenly went from being something that she won or something that happened to other people to something that happened to me. And I was like, well, if it can happen to me once, and it can absolutely happen again. And rather than it just happens like another time, what if I was to win a competition every week? And so from that point forward, I won at least, it was, there was one week actually where I won four in one week, but every week what? I would win a new competition. 
And that I just, I put, even if it was like um, a Sunday night, nothing had been announced. I'm like, oh, they're just late in announcing the competition. I've obviously won oh. something. Okay, now this is what I want you to, <laughs> this is what I want you to run me through. What did you say to yourself? Give me the step-by-step of how this came down. And how so much time it, you invest every day too? Um, it's difficult to say how much time I invested every day, but I would say like a couple of hours a week, maybe. Um, okay. in entering in entering competitions and the conversation I had with myself was it was just more of a feeling of certainty so it's like sun rises in the morning I win a competition every week I just had that strength of belief that it was going to happen like it was it just became my new truth and because I believed it so strongly it just led to me winning things very easily and you know this was from competitions that maybe a hundred people enter where the probability that you're going to win one is quite high because you're like one in maybe like 10 people if 10 people have written comments to one where thousands of people had entered and I was like I'm going to win this there's one where my friend and I entered a competition to win a holiday and a holiday was something that was on my list of things I, I would love to win a holiday and so my friend and I both answered this and we, we would talk about, oh, when we win our holiday to Sydney, this is what we're going to do in Sydney. We would talk about it as if we had already won it. And then it came around to announcing it. And then they announced that I'd won it. And I was like, I knew, I, know, I knew this was our competition because we've been talking about it as if it's actually happening. Like it was so strong in my mind. What is like the science behind this? That's my question, because there's, there is something to this. And these are also the types of people I feel like we all know that good things happen to. And I, you know, I, I feel like I have leaned toward being a more positively energetic type of person and good things have come to me as as a result, but not in that kind of a way. So like, what is that you have read the science or the reason behind this? How does this work? I think a huge part of it is knowing that manifestation is mainly a subconscious process so a lot of the time we're just consciously working on oh yeah I believe that this can happen or I want to manifest this but deep down we don't actually believe it Mm -hmm. so when we can work at a subconscious level it actually changes what your brain focuses on so before I was entering competitions I would see like a couple of competitions every now and again when I was actually entering competitions my reticular activating system which is a part of your brain which decides like which things to focus on based on their importance to you that way, when I was entering competitions, my reticular activating system was focusing on like, this is something that's important to you. So we're going to bring more of this into your reality. And it's not that there was more competitions in the time that I was entering them than before, but it was that my perspective had completely shifted. And so, for example, if you think about it, and if you're listening, you just think, look straight ahead and see what you're looking at now. So if I look straight ahead, I can see my computer. Without moving my eyes, I can also see all of these things in my peripheral vision that I wasn't paying any attention to before. And it wasn't that they weren't there in the first place. It's just they weren't in my awareness. And so what you're doing is you're training your subconscious mind to focus on things that have always been there, but maybe have not been in your conscious awareness and bringing more of that to the forefront and really value tagging the things that are important to us. It is almost in like the weirdest, coolest way, like playing God. Like it's the the concept of, I'm going to unplug these headphones. It's like the concept of parallel universes to me, like, right? All of these possibilities can exist. This can go either extremely poorly or extremely well, but I'm going to choose to focus on the outcome that is extremely positive. Like, is it, does it tie into that? Like the fact that all of the possibilities, including the very best one are always on the table and we just forget yeah Yeah. and I think it's 
not necessarily a case of even forgetting, but maybe not knowing to begin with. And the other thing is with the quantum manifestation and all of these eventual possibilities existing is you're actually creating the possibility by believing in the possibility as well. It's like choosing which road to drive down. And it's like, is quantum manifestation is kind of a difficult concept to get into but there is a number of possibilities that do exist at any one moment in time and we just have to remind ourselves that we have more of a hand in things than we actually realize and yes belief is a huge part of it action is a part of it too so right if i didn't if i was just like oh i believe i enter competitions i didn't actually enter any of course i wasn't going to win any but it's the combination of belief combined with that action combined with that commitment combined with that intention that actually brought those things into my reality have you ever heard stories of extremely successful people talking about the concept of manifestation and how they've used it because i know it's in lexicon now more than ever but i'm thinking back to some of the more successful people in pop culture and i'm wondering like you know Oprah did oprah manifest or did you know, President Obama or, you know, like these people who be, become massive successes. Have you ever heard any stories of celebrities claiming to use this process or anyone else who's ex achieved some extreme level of success? Yeah. So there is um, the one of Jim Carrey, you know, how he he wrote himself a check for how much money he was going to make. And this is at the very beginning of his acting career where he was basically almost failing, couldn't land any jobs. And he wrote himself this check and he pinned it to his wall and he would look at that check every day. And eventually, I think it was one year later, he got offered a job and it was like the exact amount that he had written on the check. So checks are like, yeah, checks are a great way to focus on the amount of money that you want to bring into your awareness. And there are just looking to pop culture is really great. But I also think like, look around at examples of friends because celebrities can maybe feel really far away for you. Like, you know, when people say like, oh, I have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce for a lot of people that doesn't feel empowering because their reality is so different to Beyonce right. but if you look around and think even people close to you or maybe people that you see on social media that feels like you're not that different from them and you can relate to parts of their story then it's not that far away from you and if you can see it in your reality there's a reason why it's, it's come to you there's a reason why it's brought to your awareness and if you've ever read um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks about the idea that um, ideas are just floating out there in the universe and they they choose who to come to. Ideas come to you because they want to be expressed by you rather than the other way around of you thinking of an idea. So if that has come to you, it's chosen you for a reason. Okay, so let's say an idea comes to me and I want to execute it. I feel like this is, you know, and I, I, I often felt like, there's a, you know, I, I have a purpose or a calling, you know, I feel fortunate in that way, but I want to know the exact steps I should take. So this idea comes to me. I know that it's something that how many of our steps away is something that I'm bound for, or that I truly desire. What is step number one? And what does everything look like in between? It's a big question. <laughs> so for me, I actually have a five-step manifestation process, which is the idea of how do we bring our desires to life in a really balanced way. And this came to me because I, like you, created this vision board and then nothing really came of it. And it was quite confronting for me because my first vision board I'd had such an incredible experience with and had manifested pretty much everything that I put on there. So to have the second board and nothing come to fruition was really confusing for me. But what I realized was that 
I had put so many things on there that I didn't actually truly want for myself or that I'd been inspired to have by what people had online, but I didn't actually want it. Or I'm at this age, this is where I should be at in my life. And all of these things based on other people's perceptions, but I hadn't put what fear truly wanted at a soul level. And so what I realized was many people will begin their manifestation process at the level of setting an intention. But I believe before we go to that level of setting an intention, that we should focus on our values first. So the first step of my five-step method for aligned manifestation is embodying the vibe of your higher self. So looking at where I am right now, where I want to be, but not just from a things I want to have, but who do I want to be? Is the way that I'm living now in alignment with the person that I see myself as? Am I surrounded by the people that are important to me? Am I doing the things that are important to me? Am I saying the things that are important to me? And if you're not, how can you shift your life so that it's more in alignment with that rather than the other way around, which is the intentions? We're going like right to the foundations, right to the start. And this also helps you stay the course as well, because things may get challenging. You may have fears, doubts, limiting beliefs, all of these things come up. And it's not like the better and in inverted commas you become at manifestation, the less fears, doubts and challenges you have actually is the opposite. Your relationship to them changes. So I now still absolutely have my own doubts, fears and challenges but my relationship to them is so different. Before, it would have completely derailed me. But now it's something that I feel like, oh, this is part of the process. And I can have a conversation with myself about why things are coming up. And most importantly, what I'm going to do to move forward. So it is, everybody has their own different approach. And that is your way of doing it. I, I feel like that makes more sense too. Because if I'm starting out with just setting the intention, there's like a whole discovery process. It's like when you're rebranding, right? You have to discover who you are and what it is you want before, you know what I mean? So that makes sense to me. It's not starting on second base. It's starting at home plate at bat. Who am I? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to hit this? So I love that. Do you, as you continue to work with people, um, you know, do you work directly with one person at a time? Do you like to do sort of a group approach? How does that look? I love supporting people in groups. And I think because it combines both the teaching and the coaching aspect and when we are having limiting beliefs, fears, challenges, doubts, we can feel very alone in that process and like only us are going through this or why am I here or I feel so behind. And when you can be in a group environment and say, oh, these are actually struggles that we all share or someone offers a different perspective on something, I think that can be just as powerful as the coaching relationship as having those other people in a container that are supporting you and are also cheering you on no matter what you're going through. So tell us about the manifestation edit. This is your podcast. Um, you really do break things down by topic, by episode. What are we going to get when we listen? So the manifest edit is a podcast that I started a year and a half ago to both support people in their manifestation journey to taking more of a balanced approach to manifestation. But I also wanted to amplify the voices of people of color on there as well. So uh, although you can't see it, <laughs> I am a black woman and I, it was very important to me on my podcast to ensure that the people that I was interviewing were also other people of color because something that I got a lot of, especially when I was talking before I became a manifestation coach, I was actually in the travel space and the majority of messages that I would get were from black women and they were not specifically asking about that country but asking 
oh, do other black people go there? How well are we received there? And when you don't see people who look like you at the table, you wonder if you're like actually invited to that conversation. And so I, when I first began my manifestation journey and I was looking through all the podcasts and I was going through all the top charts, you know, everyone did look very similar. So I'm thinking, well, if other people of color are coming to this conversation, they're thinking, oh, this is just something. And you even hear online, oh, this is just something for privileged people or, oh, this is just something for privileged white people. And I wanted to change the conversation around that on the Manifest Edit podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, people, I'm picturing the person that is the typical manifestation person and it's a lean yoga body, white girl, maybe California vibes, maybe. And I do, I do think that there's real value in saying, okay, this is like not a concept exclusive to one type of person. You know, this is, it's, it's accessible to everyone. So I love that too. And it's, it's just, it's a market that's very inundated by the same sort of stereotype of person. So I like that you're bringing a different world perspective. As we already went over the fact that you have lived a lot of life more than most adults have, and you're only, what, 28, also brings a sort of depth of perspective to me that I think many people probably don't have. Um, Tell us what's ahead for both the podcast and and your work as you work in groups and one-on-one with people. Um, What are we going to see from Afia in the next year? Oh, in the next year. I'm someone who plans in, like, a lot shorter periods of time. I'm someone who, like, like a a month? (laughs) Yes. I can give you the next month. So in the next month, actually, the end of um, the end of July, I have a new program coming up. So this is my second round of Queen Energy, which is a 21 day group experience that is focused on shifting people out of solely focusing on the law of attraction to the new paradigm of manifestation, which incorporates embodiment practices, incorporates dark feminine energy. And is like I said, about taking that balanced approach to manifestation, but it's also about having a conversation around awakening your inner power and giving yourself the permission as well. What's dark feminine energy? It sounds so like deep. What is that? So we're told that the power in our feminine comes from being a certain way, which is the palatable way or the societal societally acceptable way but actually dark feminine energy is all of those the rage the anger the frustration all of these kind of heavier darker emotions which can be equally powerful for manifesting as well so a lot of people when they come to me have initially heard that in order to manifest the life of your dreams you need to be high vibe all the time or that you need to be positive all the time and (laughs) Um, approaching from the dark energy perspective is that actually all of our emotions can be useful in the manifestation process and and we can accept and use these things as a tool rather than feeling like we have to hide parts of ourselves. Oh, I love that. It's like a very holistic way of acknowledging the human behind it because there is that pressure, I think, to remain, if you're doing one of these programs are seeking to sort of bring this practice into your life. There's this expectation that we have to be sunshine and roses and high vibes only kind of thing. That's They call that toxic positivity. So I'm grateful that there's a realistic approach to this because, and, and you know what, I think as women too, there's like real beauty and value in our like living through those like darker moments. Like I hate when this is going to sound judgmental. I don't mean it to, but when people only present one version of themselves to the world, and I, I don't think everybody should have access to all of our deepest, darkest thoughts and reactions and feelings to things. But I do think there is beauty in showing up as a more three-dimensional human rather than, um, 
you know, just this person who is always projecting one level of themselves. So, um, you know, I don't know in the world of social media, I know that that's a big ask these days because people want to be seen how they want to be seen. It can be challenging. Um, but I think we have to remember to have a degree of discernment with everything, even within my programs. I'm like, this is what I'm going to teach. This is what I'm going to hold space for. But I also want you to ask, ask questions. I want you to interpret things in a way that works for you. So for example, in the last round of Queen Energy, one of the things that we do is we have weekly activations. So these are embodiment practices to help people get out of their head and into their body and soul. And although everyone would get the same practice, people interpreted it completely differently. And it was so fascinating to watch how that unfolded. That's so cool. Um, well, I, for one, I have already listened to the latest episodes that have come out, but I really look forward to Fia to keeping up with what you're doing. I plan on implementing some of these practices and trying to dive back into this practice because I feel like it, it didn't work for me the first time, but with this new perspective, I feel like it's something I could get into. So thank you for reviving the, the interest in this for me. You're so welcome. Um, tell us where we can find you, where we can find you on both social, online, podcast, everything. So you can find my podcast, the Manifest Edit podcast, either the manifestedpodcast.com or just everywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can find me on social media at afiaselter underscore. And probably the best way to get in contact with me about any courses or coaching or anything is just popping me a DM on Instagram and we can have a chat about what's the best fit for you. Awesome. Afia Salter, thank you so much for joining us today on We Gotta Talk. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of We Gotta Talk. If you don't mind, I would love if you could leave a rating and review. Those help this show to get out to people who might find it useful or entertaining. I'm so grateful for your support. Please follow on Instagram at Sunny Abada or check out our latest blog post at wegotatalk.com slash blog. See you next time. 